the easiest way to make a cup of high quality coffee. There's no other answer other than Cometeer. And I got to say, at the studio, I'm a little perturbed and upset and covetous. Is that a word, right? I'm covetous Mm -hmm. of every single fucking person that reaches into our freezer and drinks one like it's water. See, you see, folks, we're so lucky to be sponsored and be partners with Cometeer, but I don't think it's an endless all-you-can-drink supply. That's We have a lot of them. I love Cometeer so much that every single one that leaves, every single one of these pods that leave the freezer, I get upset because I don't think people appreciate the true quality, the essence of the coffee character, the single origin nature of it all. Because they source high-quality beans from roasters like Intelligentsia, Counterculture, Equator, and George Howell. And you can see some of George Howell's magical rugs that he makes if you drink enough Cometeer coffee. And I think Seth Rogen has his own Cometeer coffee houseplant coming out on February 6th. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's happening. Amazing. Get $20 off your first subscription when you order Cometeer.com slash Chang. That's Cometeer.com slash Chang. And it's at Costco now. Oh. I think it's at Costco now. So you can drink up. And all the people that thought that I hated Costco and I hated the chicken and I made it a, a statement about <laughs> whatever the fuck they thought, they can go suck it. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else, like new pure leaf blackberry iced tea that we have here at the Spotify studios and drink quite a bit, where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing, you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to, though. But take your time. Try new pure leaf blackberry iced tea. Visit amazon.com slash pure leaf and enter 20 pure leaf. That's 20 pure leaf for 20% off your purchase of new pure leaf Blackberry iced tea. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you a lot, Tango, as always. Quickly, if you haven't checked out the Christian Day Dine Out, officially streaming on Hulu and on our good friends at Freeform, our first episode has me, Chrissy, and our good friend Joel Kim Booster, the Weapon X of the show, hosting Jimmy Kimmel, Molly McNearney at Pizzeria Bianca with our good friend, the GOAT, Instagram animal-loving Chris Bianco. And uh, by the time this comes out, I think it's already announced, right? We also have a new show. Tonight. Tonight. 4 p.m. Pacific. Right, you know? Oh, is this coming out on the 25th now? We're going to move I, this ahead? I told him to move it up to the actual. We're going to move this, yeah. I did not get that memo. <laughs> so you see, folks, we're recording a bunch of podcasts. Some are in order. Some are not in order. Because uh, we have this new show coming out in addition to the Hulu show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that Mr. Yang and I are going to talk about today. And I have to head to do a bunch of promo for the Hulu show, the Freeform show. And when I get back the 24th, the night of the 24th of January, and when this comes out, the 25th of January, Mm -mm, which is mm -mm. a Thursday. Today, if you're listening to this today. Yeah. It's coming out. (laughs) At 4 o'clock. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying 
as I time travel through my mind. Okay? <laughs> yes. Time is linear. Sure. And not linear. So I'm just saying that as I record this a few days before the 24th of January, right? I'm going to get back the 24th of January from New York City. I think I'm doing Good Morning America and the Kelly Clarkson Show to promote Chrissy and Dave Dine Out with Joel Kim Booster. Yes. I fly back 24th. And today, which is now theoretically the 25th of January, I if see, you're yeah. listening to this, <laughs> is, did, you, did you see what I just did there? I fucking traveled through time. They need to invent a new verb tense for this kind of conversation. Yeah. The future past I'm like tense. Cable from uh, X-Men. <laughs> That's two X-Men references. In already. one day. <laughs> Fuck. We're, we're on it, folks. <laughs> we have a show coming out today, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I don't even know if this is going to be broadcast outside of America. Mm-hmm. But we have a show <laughs> if we've been alluding to poorly without trying to reveal too much. Now we can. And I don't know if there's any marketing. So this might be the first time you've ever been heard of the show. Right. Because what started out as a, a small project has grown into something beyond our control. Mm. It's spread like COVID-19 <laughs> within the Major Domo and Netflix universe. And can you explain to people why you're giving them a specific time they have to watch this? Because people are not accustomed to this. Neither am I. At 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have a show coming out called Dinner Time Live with David Chang. You'll hear Chris Yang. Sometimes you might see Chris Yang. Our first guests for the show are the great director, actor, Rashida Jones, multi-hyphenate, and the Emmy Award winning actor, Golden Globe winning actor, Critics' Choice winning actor. And as his friend, I'm just saying, like, you got to win more. <laughs> okay? I'm not going to consider you a real friend until he wins an Oscar, oh Stephen Young from Beef. Oh, my yep. God. Those are our guests, and they don't know if, at all if they signed up for maybe the worst thing that's ever been aired on Netflix, ever. We're going to make history, folks. It is live, as, as implied in the name, Dinnertime Live, from our studio. To your home. To your home. One hour of live <laughs> Or at least cooking. an hour. Could be longer. Who knows how long it'll uh, take. I'll be, so I still have a hard time giving the... The, the, the sales pitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I can tell you that we're still working out by the time we're airing this, it, we need to have it figured out where it's going to live beforehand. When I say beforehand, we're trying to give myself around two hours of prep time solo to prepare all the mise en place for around four courses. Mm-hmm. And that might live live on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Currently, as we move very rapidly through this process, we still don't know. Mm-hmm. And when it reaches 359.59 Pacific Standard Time, we are going to sw- switch over to Netflix, where we will be broadcast live to a lot of unassuming people that are going to be looking at the little, uh, what do they call Asset art. Mm-hmm. Product art, yeah. Product art and be like, why the fuck am I going to watch this thing? What the fuck is this? Is it a talk show? Is it a cooking show? Let me tell you what. We still don't know ourselves. Yeah. I'm so scared now. I'm so stressed out over this that I have uh, psychosomatically injured my back. 
It is true. You you basically herniated a disc through anxiety. Mm. You were limping yesterday. Mm. A little bit better today. But we're also like protecting you like a president over here. And I'm really trying my best to not get COVID. Or am I trying to get COVID now? <laughs> it's too late now, man. If you were going to get it, you got to get it today. We need to get you COVID today. I know. <laughs> You're going to get it. And that would help me out a great deal. <laughs> I don't never want anyone to get COVID or myself. I'm just saying, like, if by chance the norovirus mm-hmm. was in front of me, someone blew it into my nostrils, and it was a very, very light COVID, or, you know, asymptomatic, <laughs> even better. Right. Just like a four-day asymptomatic yeah. COVID case. And then it's gone. Would be amazing. Amazing. It feel really good. Uh, this is wild, though. We've yeah. been alluding to it. For as long as we've been alluding to it is as long as we have known we were making it. And here's the deal, folks. We know that this might genuinely be one of the worst things and least watched programs in Netflix history. Truly. I'm a little nervous that now Netflix shares the numbers because people are going to see how few people actually watch this show. I don't assume anybody's going to watch this show. Uh, I assume we're going to hit record numbers not just because it's a live program, because it's going to be the least watched program of all the Netflix catalog in the next six months. I'm, that's how I've internalized it. Just like how I've internalized I'm turning 51, not 47. Okay? Yeah. So we're doing this live show. Yes. We're cooking. The, the, the reason why we're doing this is we've talked about this on the podcast. We've talked about it for quite some time. You might have seen us experimenting here or there, but even though we've done stuff for other people, Netflix is our family and has always been our family. And we are so proud and honored that they would decide to throw us in, um, you know, the coal mine and say, fly, motherfuckers, fly. <laughs> See you when you get back or not. Yeah. We'll go in there when you guys come out. Yeah, basically. that's exactly what's happening. And the main reason why is there's so much great culinary content out there on social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. There's so much content on YouTube. There's so much Food Network stuff. And I have a theory, a hypothesis, that most of those people are supported by a huge staff, Mm. which we know, a staff of cooks, staff of food stylists, a staff of recipe researchers, staff of assistant producers, producers, writers, Editors. editors, a staff of, let me just repeat what he just said, editors, because if they fuck something up, it's gone. Yeah. It never happened. It's something we've explored at Ugly Delicious, where if there's been something that has been an embarrassing moment, we don't edit it out. And we want to be as transparent as possible. And I'm not saying that's not great. But I think one of the most uh, seminal moments for me is when I watch early Julia Child when she would fuck up. And I don't know how along the way we've edited out all the mistakes. And I'm not trying to say everybody is, but I do think a lot of it is airbrushed. A lot of it is really useful for knowledge, but not useful in practice. And this is a show that's going to try to explore cooking life without any shows, don't tells, without any swaps. And more importantly, you know, we may not always hew to this, use ingredients that you can get at a supermarket. Mm-hmm. You know, your Albertsons, your Kroger's, your Whole Foods. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that editing out and editing around too, right? It's, it's like, if I don't actually know how to make this thing, but I'm on, on YouTube and I'm supposed to be a position of authority, you edit around all the parts where I was like, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? Where's the research? Like, where's my recipe? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We want to use ingredients you can, you can get to. We want to show the mistakes that you're going to make because no matter how many times we practice this, mistakes arise. Like, that's cooking. Yes. Because 
that's the reality. I don't want to. We don't want to set unrealistic expectations for anybody at except home. for myself, <laughs> except for you, who cannot stop setting unrealistic expectations. And part of it is, if you go on in social media, you'll see these fifteen second, twenty second videos, and they're really entertaining. And I'm not trying to say they're not perfectly done, but it's also possible that somebody's cooking something and then looking up the recipe online, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or looking up a YouTube video of how to make it mm-hmm. and then personalizing it so it looks like they did it. I would say that I don't know what percentage is, but I do think that happens quite a bit. And I'm not saying that's bad right? at all. It's entertaining, right? All we're trying to do is offer a different way of entertaining, a different way of cooking, that's actually fucking old as shit. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to a lot of the restaurant work we've done at Momofuku where we've had open kitchens. But I can tell you, uh, it's not the same at all. Mainly because I'm solo. I would love to explore how we might do this with other guest chefs. Because mm-hmm. um, prepping it out is really hard in a limited amount of time. One episode, I made ravioli with homemade ricotta in 45 minutes. <laughs> and I got it done. And pasta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I made that from scratch. And it was pretty good, you know? Um, so we've, we're exploring, right? We're, we're trying to take this to the breaking point. And more, more importantly, I think Netflix has allowed us to try to break things. And that's what I'm excited about. At the same time, trying to cook is one thing. Having a conversation with one to maybe three or four guests is a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm nervous. I have no idea. And almost every test run we've done, I have fucked something up. So is there a little bit for you, is there like a little bit of be careful what you wish for to this? Because if if people, people who listen to this podcast or follow our various uh, media endeavors, people who have been watching the YouTube or LG channels have seen us and heard us talking about this exact thing for a while now. You've been talking about this since the two of us moved to LA, which is, we can't, we got to carve out our own lane. We can't just do whatever. Why would we do if everybody is just doing the same thing on YouTube and TikTok and sort of editing? Like, we have one asset and we want to show the warts and all and everything. And like I said, if you've been listening, we've been consistent about this. And we built this studio in LA expressly for the purpose of this show, to be honest. Like, you said, I want to do live cooking, I want to show all the mistakes. And I think we can get a TV show out of this. And now it's here. So, this is a. In some ways, a real good case study if you want to see how we think or I think about something, something that we actually talk about in this podcast quite a bit. You know, trading, selling, and buying something else, right, that is sort of not as loved as much. Mm-hmm. Live TV is hard. I also don't know if live TV is as compelling or entertaining as highly edited stuff. I don't. But it's something we need to test out. It is also my belief that everything is cyclical. It's also based on the assumption that if we're living in a world where things are becoming self-referential because there's no more new things to explore than assuming that we have to go back to zero in some way, right? Back to way some of the OGs did it. And honestly, I don't think when we've looked, there's ever actually been a live cooking show. They've been taped live, which is huge fucking difference because you can edit things out or you have commercial breaks, which is massive. Commercial breaks, oh my God. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. literally timeouts. Mm-hmm. You can stop. You basically are Thanos and you can stop time mm-hmm. and be like, oh, next thing you know, you just edit out. And it's like, oh, I didn't burn that. This is perfect. A lot of that, this idea of trying to pursue something that is not sort of being seen as cool 
that's our gravy, you know? And I want to buy all that stock as possible, as much as possible. Also, I think it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I know that everyone can do. There's a lot of people that can cook really well. There's a lot of people that are really good in a completely different group, extremely telegenic mm-hmm. and camera ready. And because food's been so democratized and commodified, they can now be supplemented with a whole team of people to make it look like they're fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And listen, like, I watch some of these programs with my wife, and I tell my wife every step of the way, that's a bullshit, that's a fucking line. She's like, I don't fucking care. Right, because it's a skill unto itself. And not only is it a skill, she's like, I enjoy it. Right. That's another wager. Is like, I don't know if people are going to enjoy this, mm-hmm. because they do know, proven, that they do enjoy the highly edited 22-minute TV show. Mm-hmm. They also enjoy the talk shows. It works. So it's really testing something that we just don't have enough data. And it's not like we've done enough on YouTube over the years to actually have a commanding presence. Hopefully we will one day. But at the same time, we're still trying to find our voice on what we're going to do on social media and YouTube as we slowly grow this fucking thing. But now, because we have had a long-lasting relationship with Netflix, we are given this opportunity on something that we took a big bet on. To build a studio that was going to focus on live cooking. Yeah. Why? We built this two and a half years ago. And in some ways, this is, is apotheosis the right word? The apotheosis. Apotheosis. Mm-hmm. Fucking Greeks. Mm-hmm. Make mm-hmm. it impossible. This is it. I mean, no, that, that's, that's, that's the part that is, we took a bet and it's, it's a very public bet. Like people are going to see whether or not this bet pans out. And that's, you know, you've made your life doing that. Like it's, I admit it's scary to me. And, you know, I know, here's what I know. I know the people who are sitting at the counter having a conversation as you're cooking for them are having an incredible fucking time. They're, they're enjoying the hell out of it. To a, to a man, to a woman, every single person has been like, oh my God, this is amazing. Do I know that this translates to the most compelling, watchable thing in the world? I have no idea. I enjoy sitting there watching it. But my question for you is, you know, I think you, you had this hunch that, listen, everybody is zigging. Everybody is going. Everybody is a creator. Everybody's making culinary content this way. We've got to play our own game. We've got to zag. We've got to do what, you know, like you said, it's not new. Like this is the oldest form of TV. There was no editing. There was just like, turn on the, turn on the TV and like whatever's happening is on. When you open Momofuku, you had this hunch that it was like, I, I, you know, I think that the way that people eat outside of the States could be something we could integrate into the way American food goes. Do you have the same sort of exactly. hunch? It's the same feeling in my bones. Yeah. Right. And some of the previous podcasts, we've talked about pursuing something that is because you're stubborn. I feel like there is enough data where this isn't so stubborn where I have to kill my darling quite yet. Also, part of testing out an idea is actually doing some pragmatic philosophy and collecting data, a data set, and then pivoting and changing and right. ripping things apart and seeing the new iteration of that. And if we are able, And God willing, I hope that we're given the opportunity to do many, 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 many episodes. And if it's only the short number that we have, fine. We're fully aware that this is it. We are fully aware that we are Rutger Hauer in Blade Run, right? (laughs) But it's just so possible that if we're given enough time, we'll be able to like really find a way to crack the code. And that's the problem. And this is where I think about this very similar to opening a restaurant. The biggest issue for restaurants isn't that it's not great. I believe wholeheartedly if you've taken it that far, you just haven't had enough time to find your fucking footing and voice. Do we have enough time to figure it out? Mm 
Mm-hmm. That, that, that answer is not for us to answer. Certainly, I think we're going to, you know, Netflix has the numbers and they're going to test things out. And we are literally canary in the coal mine to some degree. But if we go with this approach that it's like, this is it. So let's go fucking ham. Save nothing for the swim back. Maybe we'll reach the other fucking side. Right? So that's the way I view it. My, my fear is so similar to opening up a restaurant right now. Mm-hmm. My stress, even my wife is like, you, you looks like, I haven't seen this in a while that you're opening up a restaurant. It feels that way. Totally. And I think about Jerry Saltz a lot. And if you haven't listened to that, the first podcast, I still think it's one of the best things I've ever been part of. The great Pulitzer Prize winning critic for New York Magazine. Probably really the only good thing about New York Magazine these days. <laughs> List of doctors, maybe? No. <laughs> anyway, you got to dance naked in front of everybody. And it's that fear and that anxiety and that dread that I have to sort of feel, right? Um, and I, I'm completely okay with this to be embarrassing. I'm completely okay for this to totally fucking suck. I'm completely okay to be completely fucking criticized by every single person out there. But the only thing that matters to me, and this is what I've been trying to do with us, at least Major Domo, is that we are going to literally pour ourselves into this project. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be for lack of effort. And for the past two, three months, it has been full speed at this. We are not moving out of the way of the iceberg. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, I I feel I'm simultaneously filled with anxiety and fear on the micro level, the macro level, like the expectations, down, but even down to like the little tiny production beats and what can go wrong and, and all of that. But I also feel, you know, I asked you whether that, that feeling, that hunch feels the same because I feel kind of, I feel honored. I feel like privileged to be in a position, you know, granted to us by Netflix, but driven by you to be taking this kind of a gamble. Like, you and I have been working together for a hundred years and I've heard you back and forth talk about these sorts of moments and, and your career being defined by these kinds of moments where I don't care if we fall on our, I don't care 50 people watch this and we set somebody's hair on fire on accident. I don't care if it fails miserably because we're doing something we believe in and it's novel and it's new and we're taking a risk. And you know, we've done a lot of stuff together, but this is like the first moment where I'm like, we're doing that thing. Yeah, I'm honored that we get to do it together and with Noel and Chris and Ira and, you know, and Brandon and Jared and the whole team, Becky and and uh, Robert. You know, I used to say when we were really struggling to get literally a single person in the door at 161st Avenue, the very first noodle bar, we would go literally hours without getting a single person in the door. And I was like, the only way this works is if I convince one person that comes in that it doesn't have to be the best meal they ever had, I just have to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And being a religion major, even though I don't believe necessarily in Christianity really at all, I do believe that you have a Christian following church. And whether it was real or not, it started with probably 12 fucking dudes, mm-hmm. right? And you just need to connect. And I understand and I hope that if we have the lowest audience of all time, if there's 12 fucking people watching that we connect with them and they fucking believe in it and then they're like, dude, I'm learning something about cooking. I never thought I could watch live TV in this way before. The food is also weirdly sort of disarming because the guests now are happy and they're euphoric and there's 
conviviality and whatever. And they're talking about things in ways that I don't get to hear these guests normally talk about things in an interview or periodical or publication. And it's this, we don't know exactly what it is. You know, if I have to tell you what my food has been or Momo food has been after all these years, I can't really tell you. Is it Asian? Is it this? Is it Amer- I don't want to say it's American. It's like, I can't tell you what the fuck this show is going to be. It's certainly going to be food driven. I want this to be useful for people. Do I want to get all of the best purveyors I know? Do I want to get the best fish, the best meat? We probably will go get really nice vegetables, but even still, yes. Do I want to get the best fermented products of all time. Yes. But how useful is that? We already have chef's table. Right. Right. I'm not cooking with a brigade and I'm not trying to make food that's fucking, you know, Instagrammable. Right. I want to make food that's delicious, that is full of love. And also maybe somebody's going to see something that I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could do it that way because I've never seen that process because it's always been edited out. And they're going to see, more importantly, a whole shit ton of mistakes. Do I like getting criticized? No. But if you're a critic out there and you're about to rip us a new fucking asshole, I tell you to just chill the fuck out, right? Because it is really hard to do what we're doing. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. I'm excited. And this feeling of trying to create this show that merges all this media stuff that we're doing with something that, you know, up until a few years ago, that was my life. It's, it's a strange Venn diagram. But where it goes back to that feeling that you're dancing naked and you have to do something, you are compelled to do something, creatively at least, where it started with this is this idea to do a live show has been long running mm-hmm. for probably since the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It really was. And we have told a lot of people about this. And every single one of them said, that's a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a really bad idea. We are waiting for the opportunity where the right opportunity when we had a studio and then to actually ask Netflix if they were willing to do something like this. And what I love about Netflix is that they're always going to try to take a chance on potentially the fucking very worst ideas out there. And they didn't fucking blink. Mm-hmm. We, we hosted them at the studio. We threw a bunch of ideas, not all of them as ridiculous and crazy as a live cooking show, but it was in there. 
And they picked the craziest fucking one of all. Again, I think it's a credit to them that we have pitched this to a lot of people that mm-hmm. make where you watch shit. Mm-hmm. And every fucking one of them, every fucking one of them, and we pitch it to everybody. Every single one. Every single one. Mm-hmm. It was like, why would we, why would anybody watch that? Yeah. That is literally a bad idea. Uh-huh. It's like cut. There's like the first cut. Like, no, 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 no. We don't want that show. That's a terrible idea. Do you have anything with cookies and cake? <laughs> <laughs> and like, we, they, he gave the pitch to people we've been working with Netflix for a long time. And this was the most out there idea. And they were like, everything else, we don't give a shit about. This is the one that seems like a really bad idea that could potentially be great. Mm-hmm. It is potentially a lump of fucking coal. Yeah. I think, I mean, to their credit, I think because they're seeing some of the same stuff you're seeing, which is like, there's a, we've, we've maybe hit full saturation on the kind of polished, edited, scripted, unscripted, unscripted, basically culinary content or just content in general. Like people need stakes. They need the, 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 the stakes of being live. They need the, the lack of a net. They need all of that. They're looking for that. And so I think that's where, hopefully we got our timing right. Hopefully that's my Listen, biggest macro fear. Is I hope and, we got our and, and right. to the executives that I won't name, uh, not that that's hard to, for anyone to figure out. I have, listen, if they choose to just like end this, I don't, I, I care, but I'm not like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm honored. I'm happy that they gave us a chance. Yeah. And in this regard, we signed up to be the canary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I get it. So that's sort of where we're at. And and I'd love to tell you more about the show, but we really don't know. We do know that we're going to have a few episodes that are going to air weekly. The first episode is Thursday, the 25th, which is today. The second episode is... Wait, Tuesday and all following Tuesdays for five weeks. So Tuesday. wait, I didn't even realize that. That Tuesday is like five days away. Yeah, we have a short week. We've got, we're basically Man, playing like we're playing Monday night and then Thursday night football. Son basically. of a bitch. So it's Thursday night and then Tuesday the 30th will be our second episode. You know what might be fun to talk about right now? I, we, we can't, we don't, you know, we, the show's going to evolve. And credit to the people we're working with, you know, Jared and Brandon, who who aren't part of the Domo team, but our partners on this have said, you know, it'll be a shame if the sixth episode of the show is the same as the first episode. We need to change it and evolve and adapt with every week. So it's going to it's gonna change and adapt. You said something funny right before we went on air, which is you had dinner with a uh, one of our, our Netflix executives, and he was happy to see how stressed you are. I think you should talk a little bit about, like, we're doing, this is basically a pre-opening diary, like some of the prep work that's been going in the last few, I mean, really only since December, mid-December, like the prep we've been doing leading up to this. It's been outrageous. We've been doing this, fucking around with this idea for quite some time. Wait, really for two and a half plus years. In earnest, it has been since early December that this has been going like fucking ham. Mm -hmm. And we've tried a lot of different things already. Whether I'm cooking and somebody tells me to cook something like I'm a video game character and I just make it. Right. We've tried. Audience, to some degree, knows everything that's in our pantry and our refrigerator. And they say, make this. And I make it. Mm -hmm. We've tried choose your own adventure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right? But a lot of this is stripping it away. And in some ways, I do feel like this is opening up some kind of Momofuku early on where it was an exploration of just seeing what is absolutely necessary. And a lot of these, you know, structural plots are good. They, They move things forward. But when we started testing things out, I think it was more of a, 
do we need to do that at all? Mm-hmm. Is maybe, because sometimes the greatest drama in a kitchen is you don't need to do anything. Yeah. I mean, point. there's crazy shit that's happening all the time. And maybe one day on an exploration of how you do it with a full brigade. But currently right now, you know, I wanted to almost embrace the loneliness of doing it by oneself mm-hmm. because I want full transparency for people to see, like, I started this from scratch. The caveat being, I didn't mill my own fucking flour. I didn't butcher the fucking, you know, pig. I didn't do, there's certain degrees that you just can't do. But what fucking restaurant has, mm-hmm. right? But I'm starting with groceries, right? Anyone could theoretically get without having a special relationship with a purveyor or a farmer and making a dinner that hopefully will be consumed in an hour, hour plus, you know, and we've had to figure out certain things, right? So I think we've tried to cook four courses in an hour. Plus dessert. Plus dessert. And it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It works if I'm not talking to anybody. Meaning zero prep. Meaning just like start from raw ingredients on the table to an hour. Yes. Chris and everyone else had to, you know, bear witness to my completely melting down as a person trying to do this because given that constraint, it, it was extremely debilitating mentally. But it was a it was a part of the process, right? Like we would be sitting here feeling like idiots if we hadn't tried it and had such a difficult time with it. You've got to try the extremes. Because I kept was, on trying to see if I could you do this, and I, I maybe someone else can, but I can't. I, I don't know if it's possible, yeah. right? And part of it is, yeah, that you can choose certain dishes that you could theoretically do, but again, like that immediately takes what is one of our theses right out of the equation, which is make this relatable. Mm-hmm. Understanding that it's highly unrelatable considering you're talking to sometimes very accomplished people in their field. I get that. But relatable in the, the universe of just fucking cooking. And a lot of this is like, I come, I'm cooking for my family and my friends. That's the vibe that I want. Mm-hmm. I'm cooking for friends and it's a window into conversation that we might normally really have. So yeah, we couldn't do it in 60 minutes. And it took some time to push and we collected enough data to explain to everybody, this is not fucking possible. We can do one dish, we can do two dishes, maybe three. But even still, is it compelling? Is it good? I don't know. Maybe we'll revisit that. We killed that darling. But working with the teams involved, it was, okay, well, what if we expanded that scope where we do keep it around an hour, which allows me, but I, you know, I was like, but how do I prove to people that I'm still doing it live? The idea came up, what if we still just film it live, but it doesn't air necessarily on Netflix, but Netflix has a ton of other channels across all social media platforms. Maybe it airs on one of them. I don't care if nobody watches it. I just want people to know, like, I'm not bullshitting you. Mm -hmm. I came in at 2 p.m. I'm prepping straight on through, and then we go live at 4 p.m. And then you're going to see us breaking down like a real fucking thing. We've also learned that sometimes two hours is not enough, but if you give me five hours, I'm not, we've tried that too, where I'm given a lot of time to prep out. And I just, I am not the individual that gets the best out of myself if I'm, oh, I got five hours. <laughs> I need to have a loaded gun at me. Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> I've noticed this. And I hate it. And you know this. Yeah. I hate every fucking second of it. Yeah. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like the Hurt Locker. It's a new bomb that I have to defuse. And somehow, Every, it's almost every time, sometimes we've had to push it out because I'm just not ready. It's that feeling, if you're a cook, and you guys know what I'm talking about if you worked in restaurants, when you're not necessarily in the weeds, but you're sort of in the weeds, and you know that you can get out, 
But by the time you get out, you don't know if the tickets have already started. You don't know what is on the other side of getting out of the weeds. But you do know you're going to get out of the weeds. But you just don't know if that door you're going to open up when you're out might not be a nice door to open up. But you're pushing and you're pushing. The only way out is through. And as a cook, you're just like, okay, okay. Like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to get this done. I'm going to get this done. But I'm not going to move. People move so much faster than you possibly could ever think when you have to get it done and there's no other option. Service starts at five o'clock. You got to get it fucking done. And I, I, I've i seen the most miraculous mise en place done in, in very well in a short period of time. That feeling is a perfect balance of total exhilaration. And I fucking want to stab myself right. because of the pain. Mm-hmm. I am addicted to that feeling. I hate it, but I love it because it's an adrenaline rush, right? And so try, how do we capture that adrenaline rush? right? That's not in a real kitchen, but give me enough time where it's not a game show, but it's enough time where like, I have no choice because guess what? Service is going to start at 4 p.m. I got no other fucking choice but to get this fucking shit done. And if I don't, now I got to pivot. Now I got to make decisions on the fly. Now I got to do this, this, and this. And I'd also say we learn, even if it's a normal, I, I understand what to cook and all of these things. If I'm in a conversation, I'm burning shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've burned stuff and we have real time dilemmas. We're cooking with one oven. A lot of these other shows, you have all kinds of tools. We have an LG oven. And sometimes this is real life. I am cooking something that is time and temperature sensitive. But if I open up the door, it's like a moral dilemma. It's like Sophie's choice. I'm going to fuck up this thing, but the souffle, souffle I'm cooking is totally fucked. Like, what do I do? So you got to time things out. So in some way it is me processing in some kind of internal matrix, the timing of cooking the, the dishes while talking. And a lot of those dishes overlap in the same sort of cooking structure, whether it's the oven or the oven space. It's really hard. Yeah. So we came up with a solution. And again, we're holding on to it lightly that we're going to film wherever it lives. We don't know the mise en place prepping of it. I'm probably going to take the first course all the way to cooked or if it's raw whatever, canapé, whatever, soup. I really want to just do bowls of soup. They're going to eat that. When I say canapé, we're not having fucking canapé. <laughs> I was like, we're serving canapés? <laughs> this is your Cornetto salmon. <laughs> they're going to get it, and the camera's going to start, and they're eating already. Mm-hmm. There's no, welcome to dinner time. You know, this is, you know, it is like a window into what we're doing, and I start to cook second and third courses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes dessert might just need a finish or I might need to heat something through. On paper, that doesn't seem like a lot at all. And that's why sometimes I get overly ambitious because my fucking ego needs to be, you know, massaged. And I go fucking like, well, let's do it this way. And I, I become Icarus. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Chris Ying likes that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wild because this is the first big, you know, where we have dining out coming out. But the last production we were in was Thursday Night Football stuff. And in a lot of ways, that was probably the best prep, the, the closest analog we could get to this. Because it's you were having to go on live. You can say your line as many times as you want to practice it. You only get one shot <laughs> when it's live. You get up there and you say it and the cameras are on and people are looking at you and the crew is watching you. By the way, I miss Wit, Fitzpatrick, man, Kaylee, Carissa, Richard Sherman, the whole team there. Did I miss anybody? No. Tony. Tony. Oh, fucking Gonzalez. Sorry. 
No, they're like, but it was exceptional to see them work. One of the things that blew us away was watching that production side of it. And for me, I'm just like, oh man, I'm used to making things with Morgan, who is an artist in a different way. He is, let's shoot six hours so I can get the right seven minutes. And then let's, let's figure out our storyline. Let's insert the right graphics. Let's do all this stuff. We're, I'm going to be sitting there just off camera with you, getting notes from people. We're going to be trying to throw up graphics live on there. Things that you have done ahead of time, we're going to try to film like, if you bone out a chicken before the, the show starts, we're going to film it the hour before so that we can show it. It's like, it's production that I've never do seen. Do I want to show chicken? Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, do I want to prep cook? <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you know how poor my cooking skills are now? <laughs> As a chef, some people get better. I, every time I think about Corey Lee, fuck you, Corey Lee. You can't, you know, you don't get, he's the only one that gets better at everything. But, but what I want to say is like, you don't, you don't, at some point you delegate to teams, not everybody, but. I certainly didn't like, I, I haven't tossed out shit like this in years. I don't even remember. I, I remember trying to, I'll be dead honest. I don't remember how to fucking trust a chicken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't for the life of me do it. Yeah. And I'm being very honest. I was like, fuck me. Like, I used to do this in my sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tie this shit. Da, 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 da. Hundreds. Guess what? Maybe it's all the... <laughs> THC tar clogging up my fucking synapses, but I can't remember how to do it. But the general, in, in general, the, the, the path is for somebody like you to be really good at it in your 20s and 30s, evolve to the place where you are now, where you can go on TV and have a younger cook in their 20s, do it for, do something that you used to be able to do really well, and then you can pass it off and say, look at how well I trust yeah. this chicken. That's generally how you do it. Most people don't say like, let me, you know, I was really good at throwing a football when I was 20. Let me try again at, at 45 and <laughs> just like go out there. Like it's crazy. Or they're practicing or whatever. It's like, I, again, I, I don't want to make this complete blanket statement. I, again, I just want to make it clear. I enjoy all of this stuff, but I think what is missing is something that is completely unedited. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, Enter the Kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. I, I want to say before we finish talking about this, like, I'm scared, I'm nervous, but we've been basically running two-a-day practices of, of this show. Dave cooking, four live guests, timer running, everybody staying there as though it's a real production, just trying to get some reps in before we do this. And we don't have enough time to get nearly as many reps as we would like to be no. getting in. But we are trying our best to get the reps. I will say this. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if the show's going to be great. I don't know if people are going to watch it. But there have been some moments where I was like, that's awesome. And a lot of it has been on your side of the kitchen when it's been like, uh, this didn't rise at all. <laughs> um, Let me pivot to something else and like god there's been so many moments where if it was another show I'd be like all right cut can we bring in the stunt version swap it out it's gotta it's gotta come out looking perfect spritz it down a little bit put it in the oven for five seconds so some steam comes off but you just say like this was supposed to be like uh eight inches tall and it is one inch tall and i need to just do something else i'm gonna make you something new i'm gonna pivot and there have been those sophie's choice moments and those are incredibly compelling as have been some of the conversational moments with you know these aren't our live guests. These aren't, these are people who are on our side, who are helping us out. There are a lot Basically, of more notable Chris, people. What, what Chris is trying to say is you're not VIP enough. <laughs> no, I'm saying they're on our side. They are, they are, Chris, they will. 
You are a terrible they, person. They are, not at all. They have all been VIPs. I have treated them as such. It's just they're invested in our success as opposed to the people who are asking to come on who are friends of yours but aren't necessarily just like, I'm going to do everything to make this show great for you, you know? So, but there have been hilarious moments and, and those moments I latch on to when I'm up in the middle of the night worrying about the show. I latch on and say, if we can show some of this magic, if we can get, if we can get some of this across to the, the live audience, then I'll be, extremely, I'll be extremely happy. I'll be extremely grateful for this. There's an example, and Chris might be there as a fact checker to some degree because we thought it might be funny. Because I don't even know what this looks like, graphically speaking. Like, I don't even understand. Because that's just not, I think that everything I'm making is garbage, et cetera, et cetera. But from your perspective, if you're watching this, I don't even know what that looks like quite yet. Clearly, I'll, I'll take a look. Because we haven't even gotten to that point of what it looks like with graphics. Really? We're launching today. <laughs> There are times when you're talking out loud, like this podcast to some degree, but especially when it's live TV, because it's live and video, I can't just say, oh yeah, um, let me just stop talking about that. Oh, I, I can't remember what I was talking about. Can we talk about something? I, I can't. So you, sometimes I just have to like go with it. Right. And plow through the truth. Yeah. Straight into and the make fiction. some real crazy, potentially I could base, you know, some facts that could be true in a multiverse, yes, but not this universe. Yes. <laughs> and for example, I can't remember who I was talking to because we made a Ribolita and I was talking about Sofrito. And they, they asked me, What's a Sofrito? Well, what's a Sofrito? And, and like, who invented it? I can't say, I'll be right back. <laughs> Let me look at my phone. I, I just had to run with it. I'm like, you know, and very like quickly, I said, Oh, it's Catherine de Medici. <laughs> In the 17th century, when she married Henry and they moved over and she brought not only spinach and right. bechamel, but she brought over. At which point I was sitting off camera with my computer being like, Catherine de' Medici, Sofrito, Mirepoix, this is not <laughs> yielding any results But you don't here. know if it's not true. <laughs> right. So on camera, the goal is to be able to respond in real time to say, uh, fact check incoming, cannot confirm whether or not Catherine de' Medici invented Sofrito. But that's the kind of stuff that we're going to just, like, Dave's just going to, you got to go. Like you like you said, you can't just say, um, that's a great question. Let me just hear my producers in my ear. Yeah, I don't, have ear piece. I don't have an earpiece. I don't have an earpiece. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> it was A Catherine lot of Aragon. people might have an earpiece telling them facts. Yeah. I've chosen. <laughs> this, is mainly also, this is also a good opportunity. I should, I should plug this part of the show. So if you're listening to this podcast. We, I'm going to be sitting there on Discord, on Instagram, on social, maybe on Netflix's site listening to audience feedback as the show is live and saying to Dave, uh, hey, Dave, that thing you just said about Turkish food, the audience is going a little crazy right now. I don't know if that's true. And Dave's like, true to form, true to the show, will more than happily, I think, be like, well, well I just made it up. So <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah. You know, and I think like... I'll be running for president. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys, if you want to play along, I, I'm going to be sitting there. Oh, yeah. You, where, where, this is, if you made it this far into the show. Yeah. Um, where, 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 what are we going to use? I will definitely be on our major Domo Media Discord. We'll have a, a channel dedicated to like a live watch along with this. So I'll be sitting there reading comments, hearing questions, you know, as Dave is cooking and talking to guests. I'll be monitoring Instagram. I think that we're going to maybe see what Netflix's own social site can do to Doom. But yeah, it's all going to be happening. I still don't know what to Doom is, but whatever. It is the, am I using this word right? It is the onomatopoeia of the Netflix boot-up sound. <laughs> Fuck, man. 
That's good. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good name. But yeah, man, this is this is as live and real as 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 can be. It's gonna be. Oh man, I'm feeling a little stress stress headache coming up thinking about this. If I were possibly listening, I'd be like, "What's so hard about this?" Well, I dare anybody to try to do this, <laughs> and do it on Netflix mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. with people on the yeah. other side by yourself. There's nothing. The, the the Jerry Saltz analogy of like dancing naked in front of everyone is exactly how it feels. You're just because like this is it's in our studio. It's our we're letting people into our home. It's you just out there. Whether they want to see me or not, <laughs> he's gonna be naked. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's gonna take to get a renewal. Just do that again. Not even my naked. wife wants to watch that. <laughs> but man, it's coming tonight. So please watch it though. God, I mean, we have no idea what it's gonna do, but like We've been talking about this forever. If you've been listening to this podcast for this long, this is the bet we've been talking about. It's yeah. coming. It's today. We put our money where our mouth is. <laughs> it's today. And again, I'm just saying for anybody that's going to write some bullshit, you fucking do it. You yeah. find someone that can do this because I promise you, this is so fucking hard. There's a reason why no one's ever done a live cooking show, folks, because it's stupid as shit. It is so dumb Love. that it's it's just dumb enough for us to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. All right. So check it out. Netflix. You might have heard of this thing called Netflix. It's a streaming site that creates content and licensed content. And uh, they're a real upstart. But this upstart is going to air dinner time live at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. At 7 p.m. for you East Coast Coast folks. Hail Mary full of grace. We got this. Give us five stars. But give us a double thumbs up Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm, Netflix. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You better double thumbs up that shit. (laughs) 